0: Welcome to the Christ Community Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message, that it draws you closer to Jesus and helps you become more like Him. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning, Christ Community Church. Thanks so much for having me. Um, Yeah, my name is Monica, and I'm thankful to Brandon for giving me the opportunity to come to speak to you guys. And would you guys please just join me in prayer before we get going? Awesome God, you are the God who was and who is, and who is to come. You are the great I am. You are Yahweh, compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. And you are here this morning. You are here in our text. You are here with us. Would you bless us as we seek you? In Jesus' name, amen. Um, So I am a a Bible teacher, actually, at a Christian high school out in Massachusetts. And because of the population that our school works with, many, I mean, maybe even most of our students are um, unchurched and come from, like, totally not religious backgrounds. And they have to take Bible class, just like they have to take math and science and English. It's one of their core classes. And um, I have some kids who literally, they come to my class and they tell me they've never seen a Bible before. They've never even touched one. They know nothing about it. And I'm their Bible teacher, so I have this calling, right, to introduce them to God and to teach them about him. That's what it says in my employee contract. Uh, And with God's, you know, divine help and grace, that's what I try to do. So this past year, it was a rough year for teachers for all sorts of reasons, right? Um, But this past year, I had two students, especially, who were just very open from the get-go. They didn't know much about the Bible. What they did know, they did not believe, and there wasn't anything I was going to be able to do to change that. And so day in and day out, teaching them in my classes and just praying for them and honestly getting discouraged, (laughs) getting really, really discouraged because the end of the year came, and they were kind of right. It seemed like no matter what I did, they just weren't having it. So I'm wondering if there's anything in your life or if you can kind of feel that where it's like, I'm trying, and it feels like God wants me to do this thing, and it's just not working. Uh, The last couple of days of school, I was having a conversation with our custodian, Mr. Guilford, a man of great faith and great love for the Lord. And he just smiles. He says, Monica, the Lord certainly is working on these kids this year, don't you think? And I was like, sure, Mark, yeah. He goes, and he mentions these two individuals by name. And he says, you know, one of them came up to me, and we were reading the Bible together. And the other one, he, he saw me in the hallway, and he says, Mr. Guilford, you pray. Why do you do that? Can you teach me how to pray? And I laughed, and I was like, well, good thing someone's reaching these kids, Mark, because it's not me, but I'm so glad that God is using you. And in that moment, I will be honest with you, I was even more discouraged. <laughs> and My pride was, like, really hit, right? I'm like, I'm their Bible teacher, and they're going to our school custodian for questions about the Bible. Um, But then I thought about it, and I was like, actually, what an opportunity, right? What an opportunity. Both of these young men were juniors. They're going to be coming back as seniors. Lord willing, they will be in my classes again. But this time, I'm not alone, right? This time, I know that Mr. Guilford has made this connection with them, and I can be praying for him, and I know that he prays for me and the other teachers. We can check in with each other. We can encourage each other. I have a partner now. That's really exciting. In those areas of your life where you're feeling a little discouraged, perhaps, do you have a Mr. Guilford? Because in our text this morning, we see that God calls Moses to something that he cannot do alone, but God gives him a Mr. Guilford, except his Mr. Guilford is named Aaron. Aaron. Um, So thank you so much, Debbie, for reading uh, our text. If if you're unfamiliar with Moses, I'm going to give you kind of the TLDR that I would give my students. Uh, Moses is a little baby boy born to Hebrew parents while they are slaves in Egypt, and the Pharaoh wants to kill all the baby boys, but through the faithfulness of his mother and through the providence of God, he is saved, and he's raised in Pharaoh's household, and he grows up living in Pharaoh's household until he's 40 years old. And then he sees an Israelite being treated harshly by an Egyptian. And he sees this injustice, and he kills the Egyptian. And then he flees into the desert. And he lives in the desert for another 40 years. And then one day, he encounters this burning bush. And it's burning, but it doesn't get consumed. And he hears the voice of God. And God says, Moses, Moses. I see the suffering of my people. I am going to save them, and you are going to do it. And Moses is resistant. His first response is, who am I? Who am I to go to Pharaoh? And God could have said, you know, Moses, (laughs) uh, you were raised in Pharaoh's household. You uh, kind of are Egyptian, but you're Hebrew. Your whole life is a miracle. I saved you and clearly designed you for this purpose. That's who you are, Moses. Go do it, right? But he doesn't. He turns around, he says, I will be with you. So then Moses is like, great, who are you, right? And God says, I am who I am. I am Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Moses says, okay, great, but what if they don't believe me when I say that I met you? And God gives him just a tiny little taste of his power, these signs that he's going to use to convince the elders of Israel to go with him to Pharaoh. In true human fashion, Moses turns the conversation back to himself again. And that's where we pick up in our text this morning. He says, I'm not eloquent. I don't speak well. And God says, again, Moses, not about you. I made man's mouth. I will be with you, Moses. And then Moses says, please send someone else. This whole conversation between Moses and God is like the very first little baby step that Moses has in his relationship with the Lord. This is the first time he encounters God in the story. And in fact, in Exodus 3, and if you have your Bibles or your cellular devices, if you want to turn there, you can. Um, I won't I won't think you're texting or anything. Uh, in Exodus, <laughs> unlike my students who would be texting, uh, no shade on them. Exodus 3, Exodus 3, uh, God says... Um, Moses, uh, you, you have to do this. You're, I'm calling you to do this. And it's the first time that Moses has encountered God. Moses doesn't even realize it's God speaking from the burning bush, right? And it says that he hid his face because he was afraid to be that close to God. Later in Moses' life, Moses is going to be back on this same mountain, going up for 40 days at the top of the mountain, talking with God directly in something that's described like a thunderstorm mixed with a volcano. Right? But in this moment, this is his first little encounter with God. And what does God say? He says, Moses, Moses, I know you by name. I have seen the suffering of my people, that same injustice that caused you to kill that Egyptian. I have seen it, and I'm going to save them through you. This is before Moses has done anything. He's just standing there, right? If you have never encountered the living God before, I want you to know that he knows you by name, and he has seen the things that you have seen, and he has felt the pain that you have felt. And he says, I see you, and I know you, and right now, just as you are, you're mine. But God is not content to let Moses have a quiet, unobtrusive um, relationship with him. Let's keep in mind, at this point, Moses is 80 years old. He's already lived like two lifetimes so if any of you are kind of in maybe that age-ish category, I want to say God may have the most exciting chapter of your life ahead of you, right? And Moses, uh, his, his faith with God is not going to be a quiet, unobtrusive one because God is calling him to something crazy. Go to Pharaoh and tell him to let the people go. All right, does God call us to stuff like that today? Like, crazy stuff like that? Like, is God calling you to crazy stuff like that right now, today? I don't know. Maybe. I'm not going to say he's not, right? If there's anybody sitting here who has that little twinge of, like, I don't know, maybe God is calling me to do something kind of radical and crazy. I want to just blow on that a little bit. When I was a junior in college, I was sitting at an inner varsity retreat center, singing worship songs. But in the back of my mind, I was running details, because I knew that when I got back to campus, I had to fill out some papers, and I wanted to apply to law school, and I didn't really know what I was going to do and how I was going to do it. And like when you're watching a video and there's that glitch, and there's something that's not the video, and then it goes back to the video again, I had this twinge of, or you could graduate early and go to seminary. And it was just like that little glitch but then I spoke to my pastor and his wife. I had dinner with them, and that little twinge was kind of blown into a flame. And as I left their house, I went home and I petitioned to graduate and I started my application for Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary. And now, you know, here I am. So if there's any little part of you that has any little twinge of anything, I do, I wanna fan that flame. I wanna just Okay. Maybe that's not you. Okay. And to be fair, God didn't call all the Hebrews to rise up and go to Pharaoh. Right? So what about the rest of us? What about those of us who are not called to do the kind of thing that Moses did? Are we called to anything? Is God calling us to something this morning? The Bible says that we are God's workmanship. Right? God's workmanship to what? To do good works that He had prepared in advance for us to do. God has already planned the things he wants you to do, and more than that, the Bible says that you are spiritually gifted if you are a believer in Christ. You have like a supernatural talent or ability that God has given you to accomplish that purpose, to build up the body and to serve one another. You have a calling, and you have a gifting. So what is it? Um, Let me read you some Bible verses, and maybe we can make some sense of it. Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them. And those who are mistreated, since you also are in the body. Looking at these passages, and of course there are others, we could start to make a little list of the things that God is calling us to. And these, you know, we don't need a burning bush to tell us because God has given us his word. And these things maybe don't sound as crazy as what Moses was called to. They're more in line with that ordinary faithfulness that God has called us to. I heard your sermon on Mother's Day. It was great. Um, But these things are still challenging, right? Right? God is still calling us to something outside of the norm. Love other people sacrificially and give up my time and my energy for them, right? Go and make disciples of people, care for widows and orphans and those in prison and those facing injustice. These are the things that God has called us to. Because God, just like he was not content with Moses, he is not content with us to have Secret, private, unobtrusive relationships with him. When God said to Moses, go, and Moses said, please send someone else, God didn't say, oh, that's okay, Moses. What I really want is just for you to have fondness for me in your heart. You can do that as a shepherd. I will go find someone else. No, it says that God burned with anger against Moses. Moses. Okay, This is the first time in the Bible that that phrase, burning with anger, is ascribed to God. It happens a lot after this, but this is the first time that we see it. Um, And it's coming when Moses is is dragging his feet. He's resisting this call that God has put on his life. And I want us to really notice something here. It's not because Moses doesn't believe in God. It's not because Moses doesn't trust God. And we know that because a few verses before our passage, this is from Exodus chapter 4 verses 2 through 4, it says, the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? He said, a staff. And so he said, throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground and it became a serpent and Moses ran from it. But the Lord said to Moses, put out your hand and catch it by the tail. So he put out his hand and caught it and it became a staff in his hand. Okay. Okay. Maybe you've heard this story before, so you know when he throws it down, it's going to be a snake, and you know when he picks it back up, it's going to be a staff again. Moses didn't know that was going to happen, right? God just tells Moses, throw down your staff, and it becomes a snake, and Moses does what any smart person would do, and he runs away from it because it's a snake, right? And then God says, go back and pick it up again. Last time Moses did something God told him to do, there was a snake, He didn't know if he was going to pick up that tail and it was going to become a scorpion or something worse, right? But Moses doesn't question God. He does it. He goes back barefoot to the snake, picks it up by the tail, the most dangerous part to touch a snake, I'm told, and it turns back into a staff. Moses trusted God with his life, and yet God burned with anger against him. Um, I don't know if any of you guys are parents in the room. I'm a parent. Sometimes I am angry with my children because of my own sinfulness, right? Sometimes I'm just impatient or I'm selfish or I didn't have enough coffee that morning and they're doing something that's driving me crazy. That's not the kind of anger that God has, right? God is qualitatively different from us. Uh, God is perfect. God is holy. But there are sometimes as a parent when I've told my kids, you know, do this because it's good for you. And if you don't do it, you're going to hurt other people around you. So stop pushing your sister. She clearly doesn't like it. She's making that sound, telling you she doesn't like it. So stop, right? And then he doesn't stop. And then that that kind of little bit of anger, that anger that leads to the timeout and hopefully the apology and the better sibling interaction, that's a tiny little hint of the holiness of God anger here. It's not coming from impatience. It's not coming from annoyance. It's coming out of love. Because God has given Moses instruction to save his people. And God has given us some instructions as his people. He has set in advance good works for us to walk in. And he has supernaturally gifted us to do it. Are there any areas where we're saying, please just send someone else? When Moses said, please just send somebody else, God had already stated twice that he would be with him. And so God could have doubled down and said, Moses... I've called you, I will be with you, go. And if he had done that, the moral of the story would be, God has called you, God is with you, so go. But that's not what God did. I actually, um, I need a volunteer. Actually, I need two volunteers. I promise you don't have to do anything weird. I'm not going to make you throw down a staff and turn it into a snake. Couldn't do it even if I wanted to. Jocelyn, I'm not seeing any hands. I think it's you. You can bring a friend, actually, please. bring, Bring a friend. Okay, so... Like I told you, I um, I work at a high school, and I work with my church's youth group, and so we're big on um, visual illustrations. Okay, so Jocelyn, here we go. I've got this lovely, uh, it's kind of like a shoelace, okay? I've got that hat, and Mindy, thank you so much for coming up. Hold that for a second. Okay, Jocelyn, can you pick up the hat by holding out the, uh, the rope there straight? So hold either side, pick it up, nice and sp- not to, don't touch the hat. Just touch that and just pick up, pick up. No, straight, 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 straight out. Pull it up. <laughs> oh, she says it's kind of hard. Oh, it's so It is. It is hard. Mindy, can you come on over? Okay. Now, if we put this down, we put this down like that. Okay. And I put that lovely Go Pats hat in the middle there. Can you guys work together and lift it up? <gasps> well done. Thank you so much. You guys can go on back. That was great. Okay. Did anyone for a second think that Jocelyn was going to be able to lift that hat up by herself? No. right Maybe. Someone, someone, you have faith in Jocelyn. I love it. She was like, I think she could do it. Uh, no. With the straight line, it was never going to work. Right? It was impossible. But when Mindy came over, she had exactly what Jocelyn needed to lift up the hat. Okay, God gives Moses someone who has exactly what he needs to do what he has called him to do. God says, what about your brother, Aaron, the Levite? I know he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you, and he will be glad to see you. Uh, it almost reads as though God is, like, giving a concession to Moses because of his whininess, right? Well, what about Aaron? Take Aaron with you, and then you guys can do it together. But we have to remember, God knows the end from the beginning. God has in planned already what Aaron's going to do. Aaron's going to become the first high priest. Aaron is going to be that special person who gets to go into the Holy of Holies once a year to make atonement for all the people. And God even says he is already on his way. Because God wants them to work together. Because God wants us to work together. God heard Moses say, please send someone else. That's what Moses wanted. And God said, I'm not going to give you what you want, but I'm going to give you what you need. I'm not going to send someone else, but I'm already sending someone to you so you can go and do it together. God says, you shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. Okay, if you're familiar with the story of Moses, I'm going to throw out some some little bits of the story, and I want you to paint a picture in your mind of what's going on and who's there, who are the characters at play, all right? Moses talking to Pharaoh, saying, let the people go, all right? Moses calling down plagues, the Nile turns to blood, frogs and bugs and hail and darkness. Moses lifting up his hands so that Joshua and the Israelites can fight and be victorious in the battle. Moses going up Mount Sinai to initiate the covenant that God's going to make with his people. The people grumbling against Moses because they don't have food and they don't have water. Moses striking the rock because of the people's grumbling. Okay, in your mind's eye, was Aaron there? Because in the Bible, he was. For each of those stories, Aaron is right there next to Moses. Over and over and over again, it says Moses and Aaron, Moses and Aaron, Moses and Aaron. And I don't blame you if you just had Moses alone in your mind's eye, because that's kind of how I picture it, too. We have a lot of children's Bibles at my house, because my husband's a pastor and I'm a Bible teacher. And I went through and looked through all of them, and they all just have Moses. Part of that's because it's easier to explain to kids and, you know, fewer people to draw in the picture, I guess. But part of it's also because we have this, like, idea of, like, the superhero, Right, That one guy who has the weight of the world on his shoulders, but through grit and determination, he's able to save the day. And we like to kind of see Moses in that line. But that's just not the way the Bible tells the story. It was Moses and Aaron, Moses and Aaron, Moses and Aaron, partners in ministry, co-leading the people for 40 years. Moses and Aaron start together before they ever approach Pharaoh, and Moses and Aaron die the same year right before the rest of the people go into the promised land. For 40 years, Moses and Aaron together are leading God's people because God wants them to work together, because God wants us to work together. Now, Aaron was not a perfect ministry partner. There are a number of examples of this. Probably the most glaring one is the golden calf incident. So Moses was going to go up the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments, and Aaron is left in charge back at the camp. And the people grumble, and Aaron acquiesces, and he says, give me your gold, and he forms this golden calf that the people then worship. And Moses comes down the mountain, and that phrase from earlier, that that burning with anger phrase, this is the very next time it's used in the Bible, but this time it's not God angry at Moses, it's Moses, and he's angry with the people because of what they've done. And he comes down, and he takes the stone tablets, and he breaks them. And when he goes up to Aaron to ask what happened, Aaron lies to his face. Aaron's like, I took their gold and threw it into the fire and out came this calf. When clearly in the story, it says that Aaron took tools and fashioned it himself, right? And later on, we actually find out that God was angry with Aaron, but Moses interceded for him so that God wouldn't punish him. Not a perfect ministry partnership. When we work with other people, it does get messy. It does, because we are broken and sinful and fallen. I am, you are. Whoever your Moses or your Aaron is, they are going to be too. But despite that, that golden calf thing happened like within a year of them leaving Egypt. For more than 30 years, Moses and Aaron continue to work together. And over and over again, God affirms that he has called Aaron to the position that he has and Moses to the position that he has. So, yeah, it gets messy. It's not always easy. Sometimes it's hard to figure out how to lift the hat. But God wants us to work together. God planned for Moses and Aaron to work together. They were designed for each other. Moses couldn't speak, but Aaron could. And together they went to the most powerful man in the world. They led the people out of Egypt. They led them through struggles, through military conquests. They led them for 40 years through grumbling, all the way to the edge of the promised land. Together, they acted as mediators between the Israelites and their God. What could you and your Aaron or your Moses accomplish? Okay, but Monica, you might be thinking, Monica, I'm not Moses or Aaron. They were special. And you would be right. Moses and Aaron were incredibly special. Moses spoke directly with God, face to face, so much so that he had to wear a veil when he came back down to the people because God's radiant glory was too much reflecting off of him. And Moses and Aaron together, they received the plans for the tabernacle, and they oversaw the building of the tabernacle, which was the place where God's very spirit dwelled. It would later become the temple, the holy place where God would descend in his very presence. And in that place, only Aaron, the high priest, could go in only once a year to minister before the ark. Moses and Aaron were incredibly special. But Christ Community Church, do not forget that you are incredibly special too because of what Jesus did on the cross. The New Testament tells us That because of what Jesus did, his death and his resurrection, we, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, you yourselves are God's temple, and God's spirit dwells in your midst. We have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, and we can draw near to God with full assurance of faith. Because of what Jesus did, we can enter God's presence. Because of what Jesus did, we have the Holy Spirit inside us. Because of what Jesus did, we, with unveiled faces, behold the glory of God. God is with us. Christ Community Church, God is with you. And he has given you to each other because he is calling you to something great. And he wants you to do it together. So I'm wondering if there's an area in your life where you're saying, okay, I I know what you want me to do, but God, could you please just send someone else? I loved that confession that we read this morning, this idea of, of repenting of the fact that we so often seek our own good first and that we don't care for those around us. What might this look like if we were to change that prayer From God, please send someone else to God, please send someone my way to help me do this thing you've called me to. Or God, open my eyes to see the person who's already here who can help me do what you have for me. Maybe um, you're struggling with a particular sin or temptation, right? That is a hard thing to do together. Know that God is with you, but you can also pray, Lord, send someone into my life to be an accountability partner with me. God doesn't want us to do this alone. He wants us to do it together. We took up offering. Giving can be hard sometimes, right? Figuring out that budget and the financials to make sure that you're tithing the right amount and giving generously with a kind spirit that is happy and joyful. We know we're supposed to do it if that's hard for you instead of saying, please, Lord, send someone else. Please, Lord, send someone to me who maybe is having the same struggle or is a little bit further down the road with me. I don't know, maybe you could even open up your finances together and talk about what it looks like to save and to spend and to give in a way that honors God. Maybe there's a volunteer organization you've been thinking, I really should go and and try that out. It's hard to go somewhere new by yourself. You don't have to do it by yourself. You can say, please, Lord, send someone to go with me. Maybe it's at work, right? You, You have friends that you want to invite to church. Invite to uh, that great picnic that you guys are going to have. But it's hard because it's just you, right? What if there are other Christians you can connect with? Or people who can at least pray for you as you're making those connections? We don't have to do this alone. God wants us to do it together. End with a quick little story here of how this has worked out in my own life. So I, um, I work with our teenagers at church. We're a small church plant, and so that means people wear a lot of hats and you just kind of do what needs to get done, right? And so for a good amount of time, our youth ministry was me hanging out with teenagers every week doing a Bible study. And then we grew a little bit, so we got a little team going, and it was me and this other couple. And then I got pregnant with my first son, and I said, based on the hours that teenagers keep, I don't think I'm going to be able to do this with a newborn. <laughs> and so I said, we need, we need someone else. And so we started praying, and we're pretty close to the seminary. And so in my mind, I had this vision of like a seminary student coming in And kind of taking over, right? And giving me a chance to just kind of walk away. Please, Lord, send someone else. And for two years, we prayed for God to send us someone. I took time off with my son. I came back when he was a little bit older. And we kept praying, Lord, send us someone. And it kind of looked like God wasn't going to send us anybody. And again, I was getting a little discouraged. But then I was um, having a conversation with a college student And she said, you know, I'm actually coming home. I'm going to commute because of COVID. I'm going to school remotely anyway. And I said, hey, would you be interested in helping out with our youth ministry? Just pray about it. Just see what the Lord says. And she came back and she said, yeah, yeah, I would. And this happens to be a girl that I taught when she was in junior high in Sunday school. And she has come on board as our youth intern. And originally I had thought, well, this person's going to come on board so I can step back. Right? Please, Lord, send someone else. But because I have a relationship with this young lady, I was like, oh, I don't want to step back. I want to do this with her. This is going to be fun. So now we meet every other Thursday. We talk about ministry. We study the Bible. She helps plan our events. We go to kids' softball games together. I actually just FaceTimed her yesterday. She was in my basement because she's picking up some stuff from our house to donate to the church while we're here. Um, and it's such a joy. I'm so glad that God didn't send someone else. I'm so glad that God sent someone to us so we could do it together. Now, my relationship with her is a little bit more like Moses-Joshua, just because of the ages. But that's just it. Moses didn't just work with Aaron. He worked with Joshua, someone younger than him. He worked with his father-in-law, someone older than him. He worked with her, her and Aaron's sons, a small group. He worked with the 70 elders, a large group. God saved his people, not just through Moses, but through a community. You guys are a community. I am so excited about your next sermon series, because Brandon's going to lead you guys through what that means in your community. God has called you to something and God has given you each other because God wants you to do it together. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for um, Moses. Thank you for Aaron. Thank you for the example that they are to us. Thank you that in Christ, we can have um, a close relationship to you Thank you that in Christ we can do the things you have called us to do. And thank you that in Christ you have given us each other so that we can do it together. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning into the podcast this week. For more information on Christ Community Church in Southeast Denver, visit ChristCommunityDenver.org.